Let's pray. Father, open my mouth now that I might speak in a way that makes it easy for people to hear what you have to say to them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a sermon about what makes people shine. There are things that make people shine. I met Hugh Jackman one Christmas day and he seemed to shine in a certain way. It was in church on Christmas morning and I didn't recognise him. I didn't know who he was. But he stood out to me even so. He was very well dressed and well groomed. He was fit and confident. But there was this indefinable aura, this glow of charisma about him. And even though I didn't know who he was, I thought, there's something about this fellow. I think I should know him. He seems different to everyone in here. I did not twig. Lots of people want to shine like that, like the movie star shine. They want to stand out because of their beauty, their talents, their achievements, their charisma, their fame. People want to have that kind of famous glow. And so they work hard to polish their talents and get noticed and make connections and cultivate this glow of health and of confidence and all of that, right? Other people say, look, (laughs) charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, as we heard from Proverbs 31.10. You know, narcissists and psychopaths, they can be charming. They can have their own kind of glow. Chasing fame and trying to be a star mostly fails as a strategy for becoming a person who's worth admiring. So... People say, look, I'm going to take a different approach. Instead, to shine, I'm going to polish up myself, my inner soul. I'm going to cultivate a glowing inner spirit. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be wise. I'm going to be kind and generous. And uh, people use various methods to try and achieve this. You may have come across, you know, positive affirmations that you stick on your fridge or keep in your handbag, these little cards Um, With whimsical illustrations, perhaps, there is a deck that came, you know, I don't have it in my possession or I'd wave it in front of you, but people send me photos of these incredible cards. Here's one, headed, self-love. I'll read the text. I openly embrace a feeling of self-love. I love myself because I understand myself. I love myself as the most committed partner I will ever have. I show myself love any way I can, and when I screw up, I'm going to be sweet and gentle with myself. If not, I'm going to make myself sleep on the couch. (laughs) Now, maybe you don't go for these affirmation cards. Maybe it's mindfulness or meditation or getting involved in good causes that you hope will kind of switch on in you an inner light which will begin to shine. But what happens when you figure out that none of that reading positive affirmation cards really changes you? It just turns you back upon yourself and you're left with everything that was already there. All your strengths, but all your weaknesses, all your crookedness, it's all still there. Your temper, your laziness, your stinginess, your fear, whatever it is. Yay me? Really? In the Bible, we hear that it is God's word of life that can cause us to shine. 
Philippians 2, the New Testament passage, and we are kind of focusing on those New Testament readings at the moment at St Edmunds. Verses 14 and the beginning of 15, the end of 14, oh sorry, it's the end of 15, the beginning of 16. You will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. There's an image there of people shining like stars in the sky, holding on to this word, this word of life. This passage from Paul's letter to the Christians in the ancient city of Philippi is exhortation. Paul is encouraging and urging the Philippians to live as Christians. This has begun back in chapter 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, he said there, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And so today, I want to ask, what is the gospel? What is this word of life? And secondly, how does it cause us to shine? What kind of shining is in view? Let's take those questions in that order. Firstly, what is the gospel? There is this uh, core thing to understand if you want to understand God's grace and truth for human beings. It's called by several names in the New Testament. It's called the gospel, which is a word that means good news or glad tidings, a great announcement. It's also called the word, that has the idea of a message that is carried, a report that's being circulated and announced. Uh, we could have kind of longer ways to refer to it, the gospel of Christ or the word of life or the word of truth. And Paul, who wrote the letter to the Philippians, said in another letter he wrote to the Romans, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So we might ask, well, what is this news, this message, this gospel? And so I pick, you know, a verse, um, 1 John 4.10, to try and get a handle on it, to summarise it in some fashion. 1 John 4.10, the Apostle John writes, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Our culture is kind of busy forgetting about God's love for us and trying to replace it with our love of ourselves. I love myself because I understand myself. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not understand myself. And Paul wrote, again in Romans, in chapter 7, words which have resonated with human beings down the centuries. He wrote, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. It seems to me that we read, you know, affirmation cards saying, I love myself because I understand myself. Precisely because, honestly, we do not understand ourselves. And we often don't seem very lovable to ourselves. And we're trying to kind of overcome that in ourselves. But God has loved us. 1 John 4.10, but this is love. Not that we loved God or ourselves, that's really irrelevant. What's relevant is that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
Our culture is also trying uh, desperately to forgive its own sins or to make atonement for them somehow. Right? The card again, I can't go away from this incredible card. When I screw up, I'm going to be sweet and gentle with myself. Uh, If not, I'm going to make myself sleep on the couch. A completely schizophrenic set of statements. The only sin to be punished, go and sleep on the couch, is not to be sweet and gentle with yourself when you screw up. Trying to forgive yourself for the times you screw up. Of course, this is not the only approach, just being sweet and gentle with ourselves. There are many other sins we are busy beating ourselves up about, as a a culture even. Historical racism, colonialism, sexism, current and future environmental pollution, and all the evils that must be purged, that must be somehow made up for, atoned for. Here's another bit of uh, lovely guilt. Um, on the back of the Economist magazine from September 11 to 17, a Hyundai ad with a woman, a pregnant woman, uh, with her hands cradling her you know, uh, baby in her belly and she's looking straight out of the camera at all of us and the heading says, I expect you to save our planet. <laughs> no pressure. And we must save ourselves, our planet, etc., etc., by changing ourselves pretty fundamentally and radically. It's this kind of project of self-transformation and atonement for all our sins. But the gospel is that God has sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We have this unshakable sense of our being answerable for our deeds, including our sins. And we are ultimately answerable to God. That's what the sense of responsibility and accountability in us points to. We will all stand before God's judgment seat. But the good news is that God has given us something for that moment. That moment when we stand before his judgment seat. And that thing that he has given us is the death of his son Jesus Christ on the cross. Which is an atoning sacrifice for our sin, something that turns aside the judgment of God upon us. Again, Paul in Romans, God demonstrates his love for us in this. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died so that God's judgment would not fall on us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is why the gospel is called the word of life, because of that promise. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's news about God's gift of life for us through the death of the one who is God from God, light from light. He died that we might live. There's the gospel. My second question is, how does this cause us to shine? Because Philippians 2.15 says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. There is something about this news, this gospel, that lights up those who hold on to it. 
that makes them shine in a certain way, not with the light of charisma and movie starness, not with the light of their own glowing self, but with the light of Christ. Ephesians 5.8, Paul writes, Now you, Christian, are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Note then what the believer is. You are light in the Lord. Not your light in yourself, but you are light in the Lord. And note also what the believer is called to do. Live as children of light. And we see this call again in Philippians in uh, verses 12 and 13. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil his good purpose. The Christian life is not an effortless, passive life. It is a persistent effort to work out our salvation, to learn to live as children of light, to seek to do everything without complaining or arguing so that we may become blameless and pure. It's an effort to follow the example of a guy like Timothy, who in verse 20, Paul says, he will show genuine concern for your welfare. Or Timothy, who has served with me in the work of the gospel. Or to follow the example of Epaphroditus, who risked his life to make up for help you yourself could not give me. These kind of lives of dedication and purpose and sacrifice are indicators of what the Christian life can and does look like. But it's also true that the Christian life is not a triumph of the human will and the human spirit, a kind of self-discipline that merely comes from ourselves. Verse 13, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil his good purpose. God is at work in the world. Fulfilling his good purpose. He has not forgotten us or abandoned us. The word of life speaks of his love and his son's atoning sacrifice. He is at work in the everyday ways that you and I, believing that word of life, might work out our salvation with fear and trembling, that is with awe and reverence. By coming to resemble Jesus Christ, his light shines through our lives. By coming to love others as he has loved us, his light shines through our lives. God is the one who makes us truly shine. Now, what will you do with this? The gospel is not a kind of general reassurance that God loves you. It's a specific announcement about the atoning sacrifice that God has made for your shortcomings and guilt before him. It's a call to embrace Jesus Christ, to embrace him with understanding, with gratitude, with repentance and with joy. The gospel is a call to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It is God who works in you. And so we, how can we be kind of vague and half-hearted and half-attentive to that God working in you? 
No, that deserves our full attention, our whole heart. And so let me just finish by asking, how can you work out your salvation today, this week? I don't know your life, but let me ask, how could you sharpen your understanding of God's word to you, that word of life? How could you tackle the doubts and reservations you might have about it that would hold you back from really going towards it? How can you begin and end your day with with prayer to him, engaging with God, expressing your gratitude, examining your own actions? Do you need to change some attitude that you know is amiss in you to someone or something? Do you need to fix some relationship that you know is out of joint and needs your attention? Do you need to kind of just persist, just keep going in some task that is hard, but it is the right thing to do? Do you need to believe the good news of Jesus and the God who speaks its truth to your heart? How can you work out your salvation today, this week? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of life, the word of your love for us, the word of your gift to us of an atoning sacrifice in Jesus Christ. And as we hold on to that word of life, Lord, may it do its work in us, bring us to life, real life, the life that knows and loves and follows you and resembles your son, Jesus Christ. May we shine like stars in the sky as we hold on to his word of life. Teach us today how we can work out our salvation with fear and trembling, in awe and reverence of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.